happened. And I think with the metaverse, a new category of e-commerce experience will start where beside the normal webshop, which is efficient, we can create um, showrooms uh, where we can present physical products in a, in a new way, in a more experiential way, um, where we can have and provide, uh, for example, fashion launches in a very interactive way. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Future of Your X podcast, where we explore the latest trends and innovations in technology. My name is Patricia Reiners and I am your host for this podcast. In today's episode, we have Burkhard Müller with us. He's the Chief Digital Officer at Mutabor in Hamburg. And there he is focusing on society center design, Web3 and metaverse projects. Burkhardt is considered to be one of the leading voices in his field. And in this interview, we talk about the metaverse and what actually is important right now for us as designers. We also talk about the importance of immersion and how the internet might evolve in the next decade. This episode is packed with lots of tips and insights. So sit back, relax and join us as we learn from Burkhard Müller. I would say before we dive really deep into the topic of the metaverse, let's clarify real quick what the metaverse actually is. And I know that everyone I talk to or everyone has their own opinion and their, their own thoughts about how it looked like. So I'm curious, how do you describe the metaverse and how do you think it actually differs from AR, VR? Okay, thanks for the tough question <laughs> for the beginning. So I would, yeah, I would say society hasn't, um, um, isn't sure what the metaverse is yet. It is currently a buzzword for everything that is more or less a gamified world, uh, which is digital. And we put all the buzzwords in it. Uh, I remember when Adidas started with their NFT project, this was enter the metaverse and we connected it to NFT. And uh, then there came many platforms that try to um, provide digital 3D worlds to users uh, and that this is the metaverse. I love the description from the CEO of Snap who says that the metaverse is not a thing, that it's a moment in time when, and uh, especially the moment in time when people spend more time in or through digital worlds than um, in the real world. So when, when you have more than 50% of your uh, time you're awake and you spend them in front of your screen or with lenses, glasses, something like this, then you are in the metaverse. But from a technical perspective, I would say a metaverse is when you have a virtual or a digital world where you can walk through and meet different people where you're not alone, where you can interact with different people and a world that is interconnected with other worlds. You, we all know uh, something like virtual guided tours or something like this, which are closed. And I would say from a today's perspective, when you can enter such a three-dimensional room, but you can, uh, and you can, for example, collect digital assets and take them to another place, then it comes close to a metaverse because it's not just isolated and uh, locked into, into one room. Okay. So how would that actually 
work in the future? I mean, we are not quite there yet, right? Like at the moment, all the metaverses are a little bit more like separated. They're not together. So you can't really move any assets from one metaverse to the other one. So what would we need to have from your experience to get to that place where it's all interconnected? Um, I think this is something the blockchain can solve. Um, the blockchain currently, you need to be very tech savvy to understand everything. And uh, you really have to take time to understand everything with, uh, with your wallet and to connect it and uh, to set up a secure wallet. Um, but I understand the blockchain more or less like a backend or an API. It's a standard where we know uh, how to communicate. And uh, this is, um, yeah, a uniformed language where um, in, in world A, I can collect uh, any digital asset, a digital t-shirt, for example. And when it's saved on the blockchain, I can log in on another platform and this can read on the blockchain which assets are in my wallet and display this as well. This doesn't solve how we render it, but this is more or less like a backend which, uh, to which every, every platform can speak with. Just for, because I know that a lot of people who are also listening to this podcast, they have a lot of questions and doubts about how this actually works, right? Because it's like, it's so complex. There's a lot of discussion going on also on, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, not so much on Instagram, but people, and I think especially designers are very curious to how to get a like a foot in the door as you see like uh, say like in, in, in germany right like how can you as an individual get started and become a part of that movement where you really understand how the blockchain works um how the metaverse interact with each other how to create these digital assets so what would you say what would be a good step to be a part of that vision of that movement well, normally I would say just try out and um, learn, yeah, try, fail, <laughs> and learn. Um, when it comes to designers, um, I always like to recommend them to play around with free platforms where you can't lose anything and uh, where you don't have to spend a ton of money. Um, we now jump into the blockchain thing, but I would say the metaverse today and the most um, interesting part for designers are virtual and 3D worlds, which don't necessarily need blockchain and wallet and everything. And there are platforms like OnCyber or Spatial, which are free to use um, and which provide very simple environments where you as a designer can um, log in or register account, use a free space and, uh, and design it. Or when you are um, capable of designing 3D rooms on your own, then you can upload spaces and you have the complete environment where you have avatars and logins and you can directly publish it uh, to the public and anyone can see what you create. And I think this is a great start for designers or agencies or companies to try out. And how do you do that at um, Mutabor, like with the clients that you're working with? Do you also use like spatial on cyber or do you create your own world? How does the process look like there? Um, last summer, we had a nice project. Um, the Art Directors Club from Germany asked us if we could design a virtual gallery 
for um, because the Art Directors Club every year they um, award the best design and advertising cases from Germany, and they wanted to do an exhibition um, in a in a special environment, and we thought, yeah, this might be a nice idea because um, the Art Directors Club has a gallery on the web, which is very convenient. You can search, you find everything. So when you want to find quickly um, some of the works, uh, you can just go on the website and uh, have an archive where you find everything very fast. But this is not the same like walking um, through a museum where the art or the, the work and the cases are displayed and where you meet other people and talk with them about this. So um, we said, okay, this would be a nice use case to do a first project and to create um, a nice simple metaverse. Um, as um, they don't have a ton of money, we looked for um, a platform where, you, where we don't need development capacities, where we just need uh, yeah, design capacities, in this case, a 3D designer. And um, in this case, we, uh, we worked with Spatial. And at that time, that was the most easy platform. And um, yeah, we had one 3D, uh, two 3D designers um, and an architect working on this project. Um, we had the idea that we, we wanted to do something iconic, um, something that you can't do in the physical world. And uh, we, uh, we took um, the iconic Elb Tunnel from Hamburg, which is uh, a tunnel under the Elbe um, Sea. Uh, here in Hamburg, and um, we took these, this architecture, which uh, everyone who's from, from Hamburg knows it, and um, adapted it to a metaverse look, which looked uh, a little more futuristic, and we put windows in it so that you can walk through and see the ocean above. And um, as the workflow was quite easy. We started with the architects who built the, the fundament and uh, they rebuilt the tunnel. And then we had ours in Cinema 4D. Um, they, yeah, they built it in a standard 3D program. In this case, it was Cinema 4D. And uh, then we had our 3D artist who did the lightning, the texturing, um, adapted the architecture that it fits to to an avatar walking through it, and that it's suitable for um, for an exhibition where you put uh, the frames in and videos in this case. And then the workflow was quite easy. Uh, you just ha have to export the 3D model into one specific file type, upload it, and then you can test it directly on the platform. Um, yeah, and we we did this. I guess it took around five weeks, not full time, but uh, over a time of five weeks, uh, we tested a lot, tested with the textures. Um, in on this platform, you are limited that you can just upload a room with up to 40 megabytes. So you can't do anything. You have to find ways to create a nice look with this uh, limitation of data. Um, um, yeah, but over the time, we, we found a nice look how we can do the lightning and uh, present the, the, the different artworks. And the most interesting part then was um, when we tested this with, um, uh, with people from our agency, uh, we wanted to, to do a load test if everything works fine when we are not alone, but when we are with up to 40, 50 people in this room. 
Um, and this was a nice uh, thing with the platform that you just need to upload the file. You send everyone one hyperlink. They open it in their browser and boom, they are into the room. And uh, yeah, you, you can interact with the people. And it's it always sounds a bit strange when you talk about this and don't experience it on your own. But it's really a complete different experience. Because you meet everyone, you can move, you can interact together, you can talk together. It's a little like a Zoom call or a Teams call, but uh, you have um, you have a, a brighter experience because you you can uh, you can walk together with the people. Um, you hear them differently, uh, com uh, comparing how far you are away. So you have the feeling of a room and you have the feeling of meeting people and experiencing something together. And when we launched the project, um, we did this with um, um, that we that we invited press and uh, people who were interested. And then we made a guided tour where uh, people were able to log in and we welcomed them. And um, we, we showed them the, the different uh, cases who were exhibited in the room and uh, also helped them to get a first expression, ask them questions. So all this stuff is not possible on a normal website, but this is possible in the physical world and in a metaverse like this. I mean, that sounds like a really cool project. And I think you really got the most out of this tool, also spatial, to really try it out and test it. I think also like, um, the scenario makes total sense, right? Like uh, a museum, the cool thing about it is that you really focus on one art piece. You go, like you go in a group, you have guided tours and you really have conversations. Like this definitely doesn't work in a Zoom call like that. It's like, it's totally different. So super cool. What would you, what would you say? Like, you know, going through the five weeks, what were like maybe challenges or learnings you had in this process of building it up or some things that maybe surprised you that were that you didn't really think think about before were there anything what we experienced is that we are currently in a phase where we try to replicate the real world so um we always tried to build an environment that we understand because we know it from the real world and um, of course when we when we started with the designing process we had many fancy ideas but when we showed it to different people and it was too far away from what we know today it felt strange for them and they um, they didn't feel familiar and I had to, in this case, I had to think about the time when we started to design for smartphones. At the beginning, we had this SkyMorph design uh, where a button looked like a button uh, with physical edges and everything. And we tried to build all the interfaces um, and create connections to the real world, which people understand. Today, this is no issue anymore. We know when there is... Um, a blue letter or just a flat button, people learn how to interact with this and we can freak out with design. People understand the concept. And I can imagine that this is the same happening to the metaverse. Now we build rooms which have a roof and uh, which have a, have a floor and where we can walk through like in the real world. But I think over the time when we get used to it, we can Com we are completely free. There are not necessarily physics or 
weather, it's not warm or cold, we can do anything, we can create any room. And I think then it's becoming interesting when we have this curve where we learned how to interact in such places, um, even non-gamers learned how to interact in such places, then it becomes interesting because completely new concepts can come up, concepts we can't have in the real world, we only can have in a metaverse. And this is something we learned in this process that we can't freak out completely now, but it, we, are, we are coming there. Wow. Honestly, I think like also from a UX perspective, this is so fascinating and exciting for me to even think about it and hear about it. Like really thinking about new patterns, how people really interact with content or with digital assets is so exciting for me to even think about, right? Because at the moment, I don't know how you see that, but um, at, like we have like all the same patterns for like all web experiences, for uh, all apps, it's all the same and they're copying each other and like some freshness would be nice in a way that it's not confusing like what i'm what i'm seeing like this is the other direction where some websites are going currently which is like totally confusing and just like a little bit like contra um intuitive so how do you think yeah what do you think about that especially like comparing like web experiences to the metaverse and then including ux at some point i mean your background is your ex so how do you see that? I think um, the web, like we know it today, will stay because it is very efficient. We we optimized it over the last yeah over twenty years and found a way how um, how we can yeah for example shopping we can shop in the most efficient way. We find any product, we find everything. We have patterns. Everyone learns, understands, and can use very intuitively. This is going to stay. But with the metaverse, um, I'm sure that a new category of web is going to start. Um, maybe we call it the immersive web. I don't, uh, I don't know what naming is going to come up. Um, but uh, I always like to compare this to the real world. There are supermarkets, which are very very efficient you have the straight lines you walk through everything is structured and you find in the most uh, convenient way everything you need and uh, in best cases you have a self-checkout where you can very fast you don't even need to interact with any people but we also in the real world have flagship stores and malls where we take time and we uh, use our free time we get inspired we um, we have more like showrooming where we don't necessarily directly buy products, but we have an experience, meet other people, get entertained. And this is something, especially in e-commerce, we don't really have today. Of course, there is social commerce with videos, but still it's very efficient. And I think with the metaverse, a new category of e-commerce experience will start where Beside the normal web shop, which is efficient, we can create um, showrooms uh, where we can present physical products in a in a new way, in a more experiential way, um, where we can have and provide, uh, for example, fashion launches in a very interactive way, where, where you can meet people, present them in a yeah in a very uh, in a way we, you could never do in the real world. Um, 
you can meet other people, talk with them, interact with them. And this is um this is something where I can imagine that um that e-commerce is coming to a new level. Interesting. I mean, that makes total sense. And um I know that some companies like Lacoste or H&M, also some other brands are, are already trying to experiment with this concept. Um, what do you what do you think personally about like their approaches um, of building like mini metaverses where you can explore their newest fashion lines? I know this is just like the very first step, but what do you think about? what they are currently doing um, in the web. Um, yeah, I think it's very important that there are the first movers. They get, they get a lot of press for this. Um, I don't think that they earn a ton of money with these concepts, but they are the first movers. And um, it's important that um, the big companies start because at the beginning, it's always very expensive to build uh, a new 3D space, a complex world and everything. Uh, they involve, they have to invest a lot of money to find out the new concepts. Uh, as we're talking also about UX, um, there is no, we don't know which is what, what the best concepts are for users to guide them through a virtual store, for example. Currently, the, the best concept is to have a host, um, a person which is there live and um, helping the people by talking to them. This is currently the best concept. And yeah, we know this from shops. There are also people who guide you through the shop and consult you and help you. Um, this is uh, currently what we see um, in, in most cases. On the other hand, there are many concepts like the Lacoste store, which is uh, very nice because they also add um, virtual assets. They don't uh, not only have physical assets yeah, they present, they also have uh, digital assets. But um, in their case, um, you're, you're not, uh, sometimes you are alone. And this feels exactly the same like when you go in, in the city in a store and you are the only person in the room. This feels very strange. And this is something um, we have to solve and where we have to find UX solutions, how we don't give people who enter a virtual store that they feel alone. And there could be different uh, solutions. This could be like it's um, time time limited that you uh, that's not open twenty four seven. But this is the benefit of the internet that you could always enter. Maybe you have artificial uh, avatars walking through it that you just don't feel alone, um, but they they are not real. So this is going to become very interesting. What concept helps people? And the second part is. Um, as I said, we currently need the uh, very wealthy companies to to start through, but platforms like on cyber and spatial are very cost efficient. And I think this year we are going to see many many small companies who are innovative who try out because they don't have to invest money for uh, to build the infrastructure on their own. They can use platforms like this and play around and. This is a great time to be alive because we we, we can be part of creating this new uh, yeah, new part of the internet. I think, like you mentioned, something very interesting, like uh, being part of that like early stage or uh, that new internet. And 
when I'm thinking back about, for example, like the beginning of social media, for example, there were like some things that could have done, you know, some designers who should have said like, oh, wow, maybe we should never add endless scrolling. Maybe we should, you know, all these kind of things. So I'm wondering, like, especially for the metaverse, because there are so many controversial discussions about it and very important ones. But what do you think are uh, really important things that we, especially as designers, right? Because we are the, the ones who consult the clients, how to develop the experiences. What should we have, uh, what should we bring into the conversation or what should we have in mind when we create these experiences? Um, what we need is a proper onboarding. And this is something um, many, many metaverses today um, don't do. You, you enter a link, you enter your name, maybe uh, add an avatar, and then you are in the world. And then uh, what do you do? I think what we, what we need is um, a good storytelling Uh, gamers are very used to this. When you start a game, um, you in, in many cases, it starts like a movie where you get an idea of the world where you are in, you understand the problems, the, you understand your character. And just after a few minutes, then you start and you know, okay, this is a concept where I am and what I do. And I think we can learn a lot from gaming how to, um, how to give the people an idea of the world you, you are going to enter and an idea of the character you play and the possibilities and the, the tasks you have um, by giving them a nice onboarding through storytelling. And I think storytelling is a skill which is going to be very, very important in these cases. Also, music. Music creates so, uh, so important to create an immersive experience. So um, I think UX is going to um, become important for many more um, skills that in the past only helped in the end of the process. So we build a website and then we wanted to add some, some fancy stuff, some nice, nice sounds and <laughs> maybe some nice copies. Um, today, uh, I think in the near future, we need them at the beginning. They have to be part of the whole, whole process. I have actually two questions. So the first is, do you think people are willing to spend several minutes on an onboarding? And the second question um, is, how do we learn, uh, especially as designers, to include storytelling? And um, basically all the things that we need from gaming, like the interactions and all these kind of things. So how can designers learn these kind of skills, right? Because currently also a lot of your ex-designers really focusing on the usability primarily, not so much on the storytelling. But let's go back to the first question. Um, do you think people are willing to spend so much time on an onboarding? I think people are going to do this because um, I think the web in the future is going to be more than just the convenient web. And it's true that the biggest part of our job in the past was optimizing to be very efficient and to more decrease screen time. 
but we know this from gaming that people love to spend time. It's relaxing. Um, I think there is a new category of experiencing coming where you love to spend time and where it's more relaxing. And then a good storytelling is key. But um, I think you don't enter a metaverse to be efficient and fast. You enter it to have a nice experience, to have a good time. Like, <coughs> sorry. Um, like entering a great showroom where um, um, uh, where a suitcase from Remover is presented in an artistic way. You don't do this. You won't compare this to entering a supermarket. It's like you, you stand there. You listen to the story behind of this art piece. You you want to understand this, and I think this is what now is entering the internet, and we can be part of this in creating these experiences you in the past only were able to experience in the physical world, but now also in the digital world. Does this make sense for you? Yeah. So you, you really believe in the concept that we have some kind of like two different kind of internets. First is like the very efficient one where usability is still the focus, like what we have at the moment with like websites or your smartphones. And then we have like some kind of like a second separate or maybe interconnected one that is about like immersive experiences is about storytelling and experiences which is maybe less uh, overloaded but really focused on an experience like a game right like where you just have one game you don't play several several games at the same time right like you would never do that but on the web it's different you have like several tab tabs open where you like switch in between okay yeah that makes sense mm-hmm and then we have the second question, which is skills. So especially storytelling, creating this interactive 3D animations and stories kind of. Um, so how do you do that as a designer or especially as a UX designer who are currently is focusing on like user flows, on wireframes, on all these kind of things, but you know that the future of the metaverse or the future is coming. And you want to get ready. How should you prepare yourself to be a part of that and to be a good consultant when it comes to the metaverse? I can't give a proper answer yet, but I think or I can imagine that artificial intelligence is going to close exactly this gap because it's very hard to learn to illustrate. It's very hard to learn 3D design, all the stuff. But we currently see how many AI tools are popping up that dem democratize all these skills. This doesn't mean that we don't need 3D designers, illustrators, etc. But as a, as a UX designer, when you just want to do a proof of concept, I'm pretty sure that we are going to have different tools that give us the uh, capability that we enter a prompt and then you get a simple 3D model where you can prototype with and that you have the tools where you just simply add your, your designs and can try with this. So I personally would focus on, on this uh, development and, uh, and watch these tools because it takes years, many, many years to learn this and to get, to get there at a high quality. But these AI tools help you to speed up and to build great prototypes in hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think this is also like an important thing, prototyping, right? Like showing or 
really presenting your ideas in an appropriate way, which is really difficult for like three-dimensional ideas or also stories, interactive experiences. Of course, you can use pen and paper or maybe a Figma prototype, but it's not the same. And you need to um, explain the story that you want to create. Interactive would be great because you also need to test it at some point, right? Like you still need user testing to make sure that it works like you thought it would. Yeah, definitely. And still, this doesn't mean that you don't need to learn to sketch or something like this. It always helps when you, when you are able to just work with pen and paper. I still think this is the best way to, to get things out of your head. But when it comes to visualize something, uh, creating a prototype or helping to yeah, en enrich your ideas, um, I really believe that AI is going to help UX designers to get out of the uh, uh, out of wireframes and create more more complex concepts. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. There's so much discussion at the moment, especially on LinkedIn. I feel about um, AI tools. Is it useful? Isn't it useful? Um, is it maybe even dangerous <coughs> with like data privacy issues um, and legal issues? Um, and how can we really include that in our workflow? I mean, we are just in the beginning and I think it's super important to highlight um, all the opportunities that are coming with it that we don't know yet how it will look like, but we definitely need to follow and see how and when to include them, right? Um, yeah, definitely. And I, as a, from a designer's perspective, this is a very huge topic with, uh, for especially a legal topic. But from a designer's perspective, and when we focus on prototyping, um, that it doesn't matter that much. And then I would I would see it as a shortcut. It's more like uh, not an artificial intelligence. It's more like an augmented intelligence. It's a tool that helps you to think faster, to work faster, to to get everything out of your head in a in a very very fast way. Which doesn't mean that you should. Uh, deploys this to the public, but it helps you to present your concept um, in, a, in a safe environment. And don't you don't need five or 10 people around you to get your idea to the paper. And I think this is going to help us so much to create completely new experiences, even when you are alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's also an interesting point, right? Like, um creating these kind of experiences, you usually needed a team, like a copywriter, like someone who prototypes it for you. Um, maybe someone who even codes it that you can test it, someone who does the research. So maybe in the near future, you just need one freelancer or one designer who can do all the things, not as good as a whole team for sure, but maybe to prepare a first concept and a first draft, a first pitch maybe. Um, how do you see how do you see that um, that going? I mean, you're working at, at an agency, so you have really big teams. How do you deal with these new tools? Um, um, yeah, you just mentioned it. In the past, I, I always loved to present my ideas um, with a scribble. I was never a big fan of going to Google and search for images or create a real design when you have an idea and want to pitch this. I always uh, worked with illustrators who did nice sketches and 
when you knew, okay, this is not final, but this is presented in a, in a nice way, which is more a compliment also to the clients when we present them something that it's not Googled images or stock images where they have the feeling, yeah, okay, that it, it always feels, um, yeah. A bit strange to present concepts like this. They, they don't feel uh, that, that they are worthy. And with artificial intelligence, for example, we use Midjourney. Um, you can create really nice images um, and very special or weird images which suit to your concepts, which help to sell your concepts and your ideas. So uh, in this case, we cut off the illustrator we we had in the past and we we always hired for maybe two days uh, when we when we have a pitch uh, now we can do this internally so sorry for the illustrators we still book them for the final artwork but this is something uh, that makes totally more sense to do this directly in the team with tools like this yeah i mean yeah 100 even if it's just a pitch right so it doesn't need to be 100 perfect illustrations like from a professional yeah. but more vision more like and quick and dirty and it's the same when we write copies when you have for example a wireframe for a website and you know okay this is the, the website for a product xy and then you go to chat gpt and uh, tell them okay make uh, write a bullet list for this product or Write uh, write a short description of all of the benefits of this, and it's quite good. It's uh, it's faster and in many cases better than when you brief a person which wasn't involved before was in the pitch. This always takes hours to brief someone very good and to get a great copy. So it's uh, it speeds up so much, especially in the, in the concept phase. And I always want to highlight. This uh, doesn't replace copywriters, this doesn't replace illustrators, but it replaces the ne uh, necessity and the concept phase where you just where, where it doesn't need to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, also, it gives you or all of us more resources for user testing to iterate, to change, and then know what you really need. Yeah, great, great point. Uh, more money for testing and also more money for execution to create in the end, uh, to, to go the, the last 10% that are in many, many, many projects uh, when you run out of budget, that you have more budget for the final product. And I mean, every creative knows how it feels like if you're working on a pitch and they don't choose it, but you worked maybe a week on the illustrations and you, you get paid, but it never sees the light of days. I don't know if you say it like that, but you know what I mean, right? Like it's, you work for the bin. And I think this is so, so, so frustrating um, for all creatives. So maybe just like shifting budgets and priorities makes a lot of sense. So it, this is not scary for anyone, but I think like just a really good vision moving yeah, into the yeah. future as well. Definitely. And on the same page, I'm curious if, um, if tools, uh, uh, tools like this, all these AI tools like Midjourney, Dali, etc., um, if the skills innovation, I, I don't know yet. Currently, it's it's great what you uh, what you get out of it, but maybe we come to the point where it's better not to use the machines. I, I don't know yet. Currently, it's it's great to be faster, um, 
but maybe we come to the point in a year or two where we say, okay, it's better to take another week and maybe to think uh, a little more uh, than just writing three prompts and taking the nicest image. Um, I'm very curious where the development goes, but yeah, as I said before, it's a great time to be alive because there's so much changing currently. And I think it's our job as designers to use this for the better. We, we shouldn't use this to stress us even more and to do two or three projects at the time of one. This shouldn't be the solution. This should, we should use it to create greater stuff, to increase quality, to increase um, the experience for the user and not to uh, do yeah, a project at the, a quarter of the cost than before because then quality is going to get down. And I guess we are going to burn out. <laughs> and this is a big problem for creatives, also for designers, right? So Definitely. it's a really good point what you're mentioning. Um, I just want to talk about a, another topic. I mean, we briefly talked about it and I'm super curious to hear your thoughts about that. So we, all, we already talked about like the two versions of the internet, right? Let's talk a little bit about the old version, the usability version, which still has screen and web pages and is still a little bit like the boring, um, task efficient web. How do you see that evolving? Do you see us in like 10, 20 years still having uh, a phone, uh, a MacBook, screens, or how do you see that changing in the next decades i mean of course we all don't know right but like so when when clients ask me today um what's the next big thing is and uh, especially in the conversation about the metaverse um i like to mention uh, or i like to raise the question what comes after the smartphone and uh, 15 years back it would have been strange to tell someone your grandparents are going to send you a whatsapp and emojis um today it's completely normal it's strange for no one or i remember i don't know it's less than 10 years ago but it was really strange to see people recording voice messages and sending them it was very hard to do this today it's completely normal and um I think um, we are going to know in the next months if Apple is going to release uh, any kind of glasses and if this is going to disrupt the smartphone. I think the next two or three years we are safe and the convenient web is going to stay. I can also imagine that it's going to stay even longer because we always need some kind of convenience. <clears throat> and uh, maybe just the hardware is going to move. Um, even when we when we believe in the concept of glasses that replace the smartphone because they are more convenient, they are always there. You can switch between uh, real world and uh, augmented world or complete virtual worlds. Even there, it's necessary to have something like um, a simple paper with information where you can scroll through. So I think what we learned and what we created the past uh, 30 years for the internet will stay, but the hardware will change. And um, when the smartphone and the iPad and everything came, we need to learn to do everything responsive, that it fits to any screen size. 
Previously, we designed web pages in one screen size, maybe in two. But today, it's completely normal to do something responsive. So mainly, maybe in the next years, we learn that um, that we don't uh, that we still have websites, but they they can have immersive images. That they have three D elements, and when you have um, a smartphone, then it's displayed in two dimensions, and when you have a lens, then it's maybe immersive and in three dimensions. I could imagine that it's evolving in such a direction, but I still think that the skills and the uh, everything we learned is still useful in in a world where we don't have laptops or smartphones, but where we have sensors. But we still uh, we we always are going to need convenient information and fast e-commerce and everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Um... Okay, so so you mentioned that you think like the skills would be very similar to what we need at the moment. Um, maybe you have like at the end of this interview some tips also for listeners or for young designers or UX designers who are really curious about the future and about what's coming. Do you have some tips about what kind of skills would be helpful for them to dive deeper into, especially from your experience working on these projects, working with clients, um, also with the people in your team? What would you, what kind of tip would you give them? Where should they dive a little bit deeper into? Okay, maybe I sound like an old guy, but what I really benefited from was uh, stuff like art history, color theory, typography, all the traditional skills um, help me to understand aesthetics and stuff like this. I would always, uh, I, I see this with many young designers that say directly jump to the fancy tools, which are awesome and help to create nice looking stuff fast. But as designers, we have to go deeper. It's not enough to just use the tools and create in a in a short time something nice then then you're just a tool you're, you're just uh, yeah you're just using the tools but as designers we have to understand the concept of design we uh, we have to um we have to understand what we present to our clients and go deeper so i would always recommend use these latest tools understand them but always uh, you, you should always um, have the, the willing to understand the concept behind. And this starts with the absolute fundamentals that you know how to work with colors, how to create contrast, how to work with typography, how to work with forms. When you don't understand this, then an AI is may, maybe better than you because it's faster and any person can click, uh, can enter a prompt and choose what they like. But only as a designer, when you can describe everything and when you really have an idea in mind and create exactly what you have in mind with your different tools, then you are, uh, when you have the skill, you are always ahead of time. And then it doesn't matter which new fancy tools comes, you should always uh, stick to the new tools and try them out, but always uh, also teach yourself the, the, the traditional skills. Honestly, I think that's an awesome tip. After uh, you explored a bit on it, it made a lot of sense for me because I, I can relate. Um, 
I didn't really learn about like Gestalt theory when I was studying. I learned about it after my studies. So when I was already working, which was so crazy, right? Because it's like the basics of design and going through all these theories made like, you know, I had so many aha moments and I, I finally understood also how to build interfaces. And the, now I actually um, had a course at um, the old university where I studied and I went through all these gestalt theory, through all the different things of typography, of colors with them, because I think it's like the basics of interfaces, how to, how to design it and the psychology behind it to really understand it. Because in the end, it all goes back to human psychology, how people really seeing, interacting with content that will be the same in the real world, uh, in the digital world or in the three-dimensional immersive world, right? So that's a really great tip, I think, for everyone who's starting out to go uh, one step back, focus on the basics first, and then you will become a better designer in the future. I have one last tip. Um, for me, uh, as you told the story that you um, didn't learn this at the beginning, um, I personally didn't listen at the beginning. <laughs> I didn't listen enough. But what helped me was photography. And I think designers today, and many designers and not, not uh, many more people love to photograph. And this helped me a lot to understand how to work with colors, how to do compositions and everything. So photo photography helps a lot teaching all these basics. Mm, great tip. It's super interesting. Do you have some, maybe some resources, how you learn or was it just like try and error or do you have some books or people or I don't know, um, anyone who shares good content about these topics? Honestly, I don't know. Um, I I really like to try and all uh, try out, test and learn, and um, I learn from failure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always a good approach. Um, I think just trying things out, good for our listeners. Um, super cool. Um, so I would say, although there are so many more things that we could talk about, um because there's so much that we need to know about the metaverse that's happening and that will happen in the future. Um, I think we covered almost everything that I wanted to talk about. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate that. And also for all the insight that you shared. It was super, super, super valuable and interesting. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to share this episode with a friend or with a colleague if you think it might be helpful. And of course, if you liked it, please give us a five-star review on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you're listening to. That would be a huge help. Thank you so much for your support and hear you in the future.